Well, thank you for being here this morning. This is another one of those uh, National Associate Pastor Preaching Days that they talked to us about in, uh, in local pastor school. And I thought it was an honor that we, you know, we were going to get to preach on the Sunday after Christmas and the Sunday after uh, uh, New Year's. So it turns out it wasn't that big of an honor. It's just that the senior pastor wasn't going to be here. But I'm glad to be here with you this morning. I will tell you that on the road to church this morning, I couldn't get my uh, car warm enough to, to get the ice off the windshield, so I was going down the road all the way to church with my head out the window, and it was not a good situation. So you got a little better weather to come now than the folks at 830 did, but thank you for coming nonetheless. None I, I did, I did, I did. I frosted up. <laughs> Scripture lesson this morning is from 2 Kings, the 23rd chapter, just the first through the third verses. Listen now for the story of the covenant that King Josiah made with God. The king said a message, and all of Judah's and Jerusalem's elders gathered before him. Then the king went up to the Lord's temple, together with all the people of Judah, and all the citizens of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people, young and old alike. There the king read out loud all the words of the covenant scroll that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king stood beside the pillar and made a covenant with the Lord that he would follow the Lord by keeping his commandments, his laws, and his regulations with all his heart, and all his being in order to fulfill the words of this covenant that were written in this scroll. All of the people accepted the covenant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. And now, O Lord, may your word be proclaimed either through me or in spite of me. Amen. There's a place here in Huntsville where tomorrow morning, starting probably about 5 o'clock a.m., Christians and non-Christians alike are going to gather to this place. They're going to bear their souls. They're going to confess their sins. They're going to sacrifice their bodies. No, it's not at the Methodist Church. If you show up here tomorrow, we're not going to be here. It's not going to be at the Baptist Church, I don't think, or the Church of Christ, or even the Cowboy Church. So where, where is this altar that people are going to sacrifice themselves? About a mile and a half up the right here on Sam Houston Avenue. It's called Anytime Fitness. Amen. Now for some folks, it's just going to be a resumption of their regular activities. Maybe they put a little few pounds on over the holidays. Maybe they took a few days off to be with family but they're just getting back into their regular routine. But other folks are going to be there for a more specific and contemporary reason. What do you think that might be? Yeah, they made a New Year's resolution, didn't they? Google, that great uh, source of information, says that 50 to 75% of Americans make a New Year's resolution. Most of them fall broadly into three categories, although there's, it could be almost anything. The first one is health and fitness. People resolve that they're going to lose weight. They're going to eat better. They're going to get 
more exercise. These seem like good goals for most people in most years, right? I think I have probably uh, made resolutions to lose that same 50 pounds for 50 years, it seems like, anyway. Good goals, good goals, a good place to start. The second broad category are financial goals. People say, you know, this is going to be the year that I'm going to be disciplined and I'm going to pay off my credit card debt. Or this is the year that I'm going to be putting back money for my retirement. Or this is going to be the year that I save to take my family, maybe my grandkids, on that trip to Disney World that we've been talking about for years. That's, those are good goals as well. The last major category was relational. This will be the year that I meet the love of my life. Traffic on websites like eHarmony and Match.com and Christian Mingle go up drastically after the first of the year. People also resolve to stay in better touch with their family, maybe because they saw them more over the holidays, or to stay in better contact with their friends or even make new friends. Finally, folks resolve to fix or end bad relationship. Web searches for divorce lawyers also go up after the first of the year. There are many other resolutions folks make. In fact, one of my Facebook friends posted that he had read 81 books in the last year. That's wonderful. He's recently retired and so happy that he has time to do this. His New Year's resolution was to read 82, a lofty goal. People say, well, this is going to be the year that I start that business that I've been waiting all this time to start. Or they say, maybe now it's time to finish that degree or start something new. These are all great things to, to think about. They're worth writing down, putting, putting down on paper, putting it into your, your calendar, saying these are the things that I'm resolved to do in 2022. There's one caveat, though, in these noble resolutions. 80% of them fail in the first six weeks after we make them. Again, that's what the research says. Many of the promises that we make yesterday or today are forgotten or at least on the back burner by Valentine's Day. That's probably not a very good track record. We make, we make these resolutions, we make these promises to ourselves. Sometimes we make them in our spiritual lives as well. This is a year that I'll read my Bible cover to cover, straight through. That lasts until you get in the middle of Deuteronomy. And you go, oh Lord, that's all I can do. The, the bagats and the bagats and the bagats, I just don't, I don't think I can go any further. That's why those, those Bible apps that you have just breaks it up into little bits. That's a, a better way to do that. You know, this is the year that I'm going to get my family to church and Sunday school every single time I can. This is going to be the year that I dedicate myself to a Bible study. We've got the story starting back up here in just, uh, in just a little bit. This will be the year that I take a week of vacation so that I can go be a counselor at youth camp because it's that important to me. This is the year that I'll follow through on my financial pledge. All good goals. All good goals. 
Scripture lesson today, King Josiah gathers the people together. He takes them to the temple, and he reads to them from God's law. It says the king stood beside the pillar and made a covenant with the Lord that he would follow the Lord by keeping his commandments, his laws, and his regulations with all his heart and all his being in order to fulfill the words of this covenant that were written in this scroll. Good thing, because his father and grandfather were not so good at those things. It says that all the people accepted the covenant. This word, this word covenant comes up a lot in the Bible. It's just a fancy word, a churchy word for promise. They're made all the time. The reading today is one of any number of instances of man making covenant with God. Man making covenant with God. There are also many instances of God making covenants with man. God with Adam, God with Abraham, God with Isaac, God with Jacob, God with Noah, God with the Israelites, God with David, God with Mary. What we'll find, though, is that many of the covenants that we make with God are like those resolutions that we make. It's hard, it's hard to keep up our end of the bargain. Of course, the the covenants that God makes with us are perfect and never, ever fail. Predictably, the promises that we make to God are a lot like those New Year's resolutions. They're needed, they're well-intentioned, but we have a pretty hard time sticking with them and holding up our end of the bargain. Now, King Josiah, he did his part. He cleaned house of all the graven images to Baal and the stars and the planets. He rooted out all those folks that disregarded God's law, worshipped false gods, didn't follow God's commandments. He reinstated the Passover feast, which had not been in place for generations. He was a good king. But you know what? He died in battle. And eventually, the Judeans, after a little while, drifted back to their old ways. Kind of like us, don't you think? Now, kings that followed him, there were good ones and there were bad ones. Some of them kept God's law. Some kind of let it slip a little bit. But it's hard for us as human beings to keep up our end of the bargain when we make promises to God. We do better for a little while, and then we backslide. I like that word. That's another, that's another churchy word that I like, backslide. I think that John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement, understood a lot about mankind's tendency to talk a big story about following God and then having a harder time following through, keeping up our end of the bargain. Wesley and his societies held covenant services each year around New Year's Day when they would sing and they would preach and they would pray and they would be reminded to live in God's will, not our own. Service included a prayer that we're going to pray together this morning 
but I want to read it to you first. It says, Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. And it finishes with, And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. I think I love this prayer so much because it's not really me promising God. It's asking God to guide me, to direct me, to use me however he sees fit. I put myself fully in your hands. We like the put me to doing part, the action verb. We don't really like the put me to suffering part, even if that just means not doing something. Let me be employed for you. Let me be the leader. Let me be in charge. Let me be the one that decides how this ministry runs or how we're going to spend the money or what we're going to do or where we're going to go. Or let me be laid aside for you. Let somebody else take the reins and run with it. Let me be full. We like that part. Let me, let me have everything I need. Or let me be empty. There may be a time for that. Let me have everything. Lord, let me have everything. Let me have everything that I need and most of what I want. Or I have to be willing to say, let me have nothing. I'll give it all away. I freely and with a willing heart give it to your pleasure and disposal. Big words, easy to say, harder to follow through with. I think that's why Wesley had his societies do it every single year to remind us that if we'll pray this prayer every day of our lives, then all of a sudden those, those things that, that, uh, that we think as being things that we need, those I statements, Lord, help me do this or that, will get taken care of once we align our lives with his will. In fact, I think if we earnestly pray this prayer every day, it would make for a, a revolution in our lives, a revolutionary. Our promises to ourselves are resolutionary. I know that's not a word, but they're resolutionary surrendering ourselves to God's will would truly be revolutionary in our lives, in our families' lives, in the lives of our church. So I'm going to ask you to pray now Wesley's covenant prayer with me. Would you join with me? I am no longer... I'm sorry. Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. 
let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which we have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Church, I pray that you and your families will have a blessed 2022. That anything that troubled you in the last two years will resolve itself. That everything that you have resolved to do in the, in the next year will come to fruition. I hope you lose that 20 pounds. I hope you get back to the gym. I hope you read all those books starting with the Bible. I hope you come to church every Sunday. I hope that your year will be both resolutionary and revolutionary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As part of Wesley's covenant service, they would also join in Holy Communion. So, if you would join with me now in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed for his blood, by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, 
with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. If you'll take your communion packet and peel back the cellophane layer, just the top there, take the wafer. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat. And you can open the foil packet on the bottom. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this holy mystery. Simple gifts of bread and wine that become your body and blood. Father, indwell in us. We ask that you would make us what you would have us to be. That you would use us in any way that you would use us. And let us with free and willing hearts give everything to your pleasure and disposal.